where marriage is made and love lasts. Welcome to Marriage Unhindered with Doug Hinderer. Relationship problems? No problem. Give us a call, 888-914-9149. Need a second opinion? That's 888-914-9149. This is Marriage Unhindered. Here's your host, Doug Hinderer. Good morning. Welcome to the first of what I hope will be a long line of Marriage Unhindered programs. I am your host, Doug Hinderer. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in Illinois, and I am so pleased to be with you this morning. The whole focus of this show is to help you live married life as God intended it, and to get some help in those areas where you might be struggling. I, you know, I, when I first started talking to Father Rocky about this show months ago, he brought me up to the offices, gave me a tour, introduced me to all the folks. And one of the things he said to me was, everybody here has got a two-word job description. Everybody can tell you what their job is in just two words. And so the two-word job description for this program is to strengthen marriages. That's what we're going to do. That's what it's all about. So disclaimer, this is not therapy, but it is education. But I'll take your calls at 888 888- 914-9149, or you can email me at Doug at marriageunhindered.com. All right, so listen, I, marriage is dangerous business. You know, we know that 40% of all first-time marriages end in divorce, about 66% of second marriages, 75% of third marriages. You add that all together, and about half of everybody who's married today will end up divorced at some point in their life. And that's a really scary, depressing kind of thing. But, you know, what about the couples who do not divorce? So 40% of first-time marriages uh, divorce, 60% of first-time marriages don't divorce. Well, what's the story with that couple and those couples? And the sad truth to that is only about 25% of them say that they're happy, say that they feel emotionally connected to their spouse, right? So, Well, we're going to try to fix that here. We're going to try to address those issues. We're going to try to help you move from wherever you are to the next level in terms of emotional connection and happiness in your marriage, right? So we're going to explore what what that, you know, what that 25% is actually doing. What are they doing well, right? And there's some good science out there, right? And so that's what we're going to explore. And so, I mean, the whole concept is to be able to live in peace and harmony with your spouse. So we're going to take a problem-solution approach, to this thing. So you can, you'll call in with your problem or, or uh, send me an email with your problem or question, something you'd like to talk about. And together, you and I will come up with a solution. We'll talk about some ideas of things you might be able to do to bring about some positive changes. And so everything we're going to talk about is based on two things, based on the latest science and research that's out there in this field. And it's based on what our faith teaches us. Okay. So we're going to combine science and faith. Well, there's a great concept, and it works with marriage. So, uh, you know, there there are um, three things that you have to be able to do well to have a, a happy and sustained marriage. And I like to think in terms of three, and and that's what we got here. You got Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You got the Blessed Trinity. Well, we've got three things in marriage. First is you've got to be able to manage conflict well. Number two, you've got to be able to grow and nurture your love every day. And number three, you've got to be really good at forgiveness. All right, so... So conflict management, growing the love, practicing forgiveness. So conflict management, I, we, we will explore what it is that robs us of our peace and our harmony. And, you know, conflict cannot be avoided in a marriage. So it has to be managed. There is no such thing 
as a conflict-free marriage, right? We're, we're too broken. We, we come into this world with original sin. Uh, we have our own temperaments and our own defects, and and all those things come into clash sometimes. And so you can't um, you can't go through marriage without conflict, so you've got to be able to manage it in, in gentle ways. And we'll talk about how to do that. And then growing and nurturing the love, right? And love's one of those kind of crazy concepts, right? So, I, you know, I, what is love? How would you define love? Well, I, you know, I love my my wife, but I also, you know, love pizza. Well, is it the same thing as between the two of them? No. So, right. So what is love? And C.S. Lewis talked to us about the fact that there's four loves, and and he based that on, on what the Greek philosophers talked about 2,500 years ago. And, um, and, and so we're going to talk about what the four loves are. It's love of friendship, love of kindness. There's Eros's physical love between husband and wife. And then there's a copy of the sacrificial love. We'll talk about that. You need to be good at all four of those. And when I work with, you know, engaged couples or couples trying to discern marriage, I tell them, listen, you've got to score your relationship on all four of these loves. And if you're not at least an 80 percentile on all four, best go look for a different prospective spouse, right? So, and then practicing forgiveness. Listen, here's the deal. You may not have realized it on the day you got married, but the person you married has defects, and you probably discover those on a honeymoon or shortly thereafter. And sometimes those defects show up in ways that hurt you, right? So no marriage can survive long without forgiveness. And we will explore the why and the how of forgiveness. And, you know, in Colossians, St. Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, heartfelt compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If one has a grievance against another, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also do. I think that's a great recipe right there for marriage, right? So so put on holy and beloved. Put on heartfelt compassion for your spouse. Treat your spouse with kindness. Be humble as you appreciate the fact that you've got defects and you contribute to the disharmony sometimes. Uh, be gentle with one another, be patient with one another, bear with each other's defects and, and forgive, okay? And if they've got something against each other, go to each other, talk about it, and and and, and bring out forgiveness, all right? So so we're going to, we've got the three that we're going to work on, conflict management, growing the love, practicing forgiveness, and the bedrock of that, the foundation we're going to build all that on is God's design. What did God have in mind when he created marriage? What was he thinking back in Genesis, right? Believe it or not, God did not design marriage as a punishment. <laughs> marriage existed before the fall, before the original sin. It was a reward. It was how God designed for us to live in his image and likeness, the community of persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Husband, wife, and children, right? That's the Trinity on earth. So so we're going to talk about how to manage conflict, how to grow the love, practice forgiveness within the, the parameters of God's design and how he, uh, how he designed things. And then the overlay on all of that is prayer, right? And so how does prayer fit into what we're trying to do as we're trying to build good marriages? So, you know, the couple that prays together stays together. And to that end, I want to put this show under the protection of Our Lady, Undoer of Knots. It's under that title that Our Lady comes to, you know, to help married couples. And so I'd like to start with a short prayer, if you'll join me. Blessed Mother, take into your hands the knots that affect married couples. And with your long fingers of love and grace, 
Undo these knots for the glory of God. Visit married couples with your grace. Renew their sacramental covenant. Increase God's love in them and strengthen their bond of peace so that with their children, they may always rejoice in the gift of your blessing. Amen. Listen, our Blessed Mother wants to bring healing to your marriage. How do I know that? Doug, how do, how do you know that? Well, I, it, it, uh, it's the wedding feast at Cana. So let's think about the wedding feast at Cana, right? Mary notices the problem all on her own. They're running out of wine. Nobody brought the problem to her. She noticed it without being told. She's so attentive, and she's so attentive to you and I she notices what's going on in our lives and in our marriages. Um, and Mary intercedes for the couple without even being asked, right? She goes to her son and says, hey, they've got a problem here. You can help them. And what does our Lord say, right? <laughs> Typical son, right? He's like, hey, mom, what, uh, what's that problem got to do with you and me? You know, we're just guests here. And, I, and you can just see how Mary would have smiled at Jesus, turned to the servants and said, Hey, just do whatever he tells you to do. And she would have walked away, right? She would have had that that loving smile of a mother. And then you can see Jesus, who probably smiled as well, and he thinks to himself, Mother, you know, I cannot deny you anything you ask for. And so he smiles, he turns to the servants, and he says, all right, go fill these things up with water. I'm going to take care of this problem. Jesus answers his mother's prayer. He can't deny her anything. And our mother is constantly watching us and interceding for us. And uh, so that's the deal. So turn to our mother when things are not going well in your marriage. So we've got a few calls here. Let's go to David in New Jersey. David, how are you? I'm doing great. Hopefully the same. So I, I thought I would um, call in and start the show off on a, on a bright note. I've been married 34 years, and I think I'm one of that percentage that's super happy. I love it. My wife and I. And I think one of our things that we've done right is, one, I'm not the same person I was 34 years ago when we first got married. So you have to change and evolve through your marriage. Um, A lot of that is God-centric. We both pray together. Um, And I don't hang out with the same friends I used to 10 years ago, 20 (laughs) years ago. Yeah, that's good. So I think that's a big part of it Um, because I think you can be swayed and, you know, you, you just, you change friends. And, um, and I think prayer, you're right, is a really big part of it. Um, we both pray together. Um, and we were also best friends yeah. even now and before our marriage. We were friends for years before we got married. Yeah. And um, marriage just, just grew both of us. And by the way, my wife has changed as well. Yeah. We're both not the same people. So yeah, yeah, I think yeah. if you're in a stagnant, that kind of leads to like, well, I'm bored or I'm looking for something different. And communication is a big part of it. Yeah. Um, communicate if, and, and, I, and I think you'll share this. I think guys have a hard time communicating a lot of times. Um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm angry yeah. today, you know, but yeah. they're, they bottle it up and that's not a good thing. You have to tell your wife, well, what you said wasn't really, you know, it came across yeah. maybe has not as you intended, you yeah. know, and, and that's communication. Uh, you know what? And yeah. And I, you I know what? <laughs> Thank you for your witness. Thank you for your testimony. And I, I love the fact you said, you know, you've changed. You're not the same person. And, and your wife has changed. And it, I, my, the implication of that is you've changed to be more of what she needs you to be as a husband and more of what she needs you to be as a man in her life. And she has changed as well. And I think, and I think it's great. And I think, you know, 
getting new set of friends, leaving some of the old friends behind is really good. And one of the, you know, when couples get married, one of the things, one of the mistakes is I'm just going to kind of fit my wife into my life as opposed to, no, no, now I'm going to build an entire life around her. She's the foundation. And now everything gets built in around her, family, friends, jobs, everything. Uh, and if you have that perspective, yeah, sometimes you have to leave some friends behind uh, and uh, and acquire new friends. And then, of course, prayer. Thank you. God bless you for that. I think that is terrific. Yeah. David, thank you so much for your testimony. Let's go to, well, let's listen, the number 888-914-9149 or Doug at marriageunhindered.com. Let's go out to Natalie in Hayward, California. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just wanted to um, get some advice and perspective on I'm the opposite of the previous caller. I did everything wrong. We went fast, had kids, Hmm. got married after our first kid, three boys. And um, relating to the previous show of, um, I heard Cyrus say, victim mentality, not having a victim mentality. Mm -hmm. I feel that's where my my ex-partner comes um, into play with defensiveness and victim and Mm -hmm. entitlement. How do you practice patience and humility towards someone that you're bringing the problems to and now divorce is causing him to be in the victim mentality. You did this to us. Mm. You broke up the family instead of taking acknowledgement, accountability, and just changing. Um, And I, I still, till this day going through therapy, I feel, um, what is it called? Um, Guilt. And Mm -hmm. am I making the right decision? I I am because it's become toxic and volatile in front of my kids and I, they need a happy mom. Mm -hmm. They need a mom that's going to show them at least a a good example. And, um, how do I deal with patience for someone who continues to just be that victim and entitlement? Yeah. 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 I I think that's a great, great question, Natalie. Thank you for that. I'm sorry. The marriage didn't work out. It's always a really, difficult thing. And I think there's a, I, I think you said that, you know, we got married after the first child. And I think a lot of people find themselves in that situation where, boy, we're now we're going to have a baby. We should probably get married. Generally keep those two decisions separated, right? So uh, just because you're going to have a baby doesn't mean we should now get married. You need to talk about that because marriage is a very difficult thing. And, and so you got to put in the proper, proper sequence. But anyway, based on on what you've said and, and the need for patience. And I think sometimes it helps if you kind of take a, a medical approach to this, right? If he had, if your ex-husband had a medical problem, uh, you'd be more patient. Let's say he, you know, had polio as a child and his legs don't work real well. Well, you wouldn't, you'd be more patient when you went for a walk. You'd be more patient in what you'd expect him to do because physically he's not able to do it. Well, emotionally, oftentimes people are also stunted. You know, emotionally they're immature, they haven't developed, they're, they stay very selfish uh, and they're not able to own, you know, their defects and what they've done to contribute to to the disharmony. And I, so I think if you take a look that, you know, he's got some brokenness in him and that brokenness has shown up in how he... Um, relates to you and the children and makes it difficult for him to be fully present, to be the kind of husband that, that you needed. It makes it a little bit easier to be patient and tolerant. And you're not going to change him, 
right? And so we need to love him and pray for him, uh, even though there's some brokenness in him that um, is kind of getting in the way and, and making life difficult. Yes. What boundaries can I set? Is it too far to say, I don't want you in the home. I, I, you need to watch the kids somewhere else. Mm. It, it, it feels mm-hmm. like I'm pulling tooth and nail yeah. to get him to understand I have boundaries. I need them. Is, uh, are, are you, are you physically safe? Are there problems around that arena? Uh, not anymore. So that's why he's out of the home part of it. Yeah. 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 And I think, you know, the boundary, you could set whatever boundaries you feel are appropriate. Right. And I think you, you, you take that to your prayer, right? The, the, the most important thing is safety, not just physical safety, but emotional safety as well. And so he's welcome to be around if he's safe. If he's not safe, he's not welcome to be around. And so, and part of how, you know, emotional unsafety shows up is in devaluing criticism, anger, you know, intimidation, those types of things. And that's just not acceptable in our home. And if you can come into our home and, and be kind and, and gentle and, and, and uh, compassionate, great. But if you're going to be behaviorally, emotionally, verbally abusive, you, you, you can't be around. So I think that's where you set the, your boundaries. Compassionate, kind, and gentle. Great. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much. All right. Good luck, Natalie. All right. We're going to take a short break here. When we come back, we have more callers. We'll talk more about uh, God's plan in your marriage. Call in 888-914-9149. Be back in a second. can be messy, but that's all right. Marriage doesn't have to be perfect in order to be wonderful. Welcome back. Please give me a call, 888-914-9149. We're taking your calls about marriage marriage challenges and issues that you're dealing with. Or you can email me, Doug, at marriageunhindered.com. All right. Uh, I was remiss earlier. I need to introduce the the two guys that are keeping me honest here behind the microphone. Young Thomas, and uh, I think we're going to go with Middle Mike because I'm Old Doug. So we've got <laughs> Young Thomas, Middle Mike, and Old Doug. So um, these are the guys. Most of these radio guys, they only have one producer behind the, the glass. I have two because... It takes two to keep me from getting into trouble here. No, nah, Doug, that's, just, that's just how much content that you got here. That's just how much you got to talk about. <laughs> Thank um, you, young Thomas. I know we got calls coming in here, but when we had Natalie call in, yeah. um, that was a pretty heavy call. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I related to that I wanted to ask you about is mm-hmm. um, when you're entering relationships, how do you like not move too quickly in them? Because yeah. 
I struggle a lot with like, yeah. I meet somebody, I'm like, oh, I'll get really excited. Yeah. And then it just like, I go way too fast. So how do I slow yeah. them down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good yeah. question. And yeah, <laughs> this is like one of those do as I say, not as I did things. I, uh, <laughs> uh, the, the research is clear that two years is kind of the magic number. Couples who date for at least two years before they get married have a lower divorce rate than couples who date for less than two years. Uh, I actually proposed to my wife after one week. And, um, one week, uh, one week. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. We waited six wait, months wait. to buy the rings cause we didn't want to freak our parents out. And, and we got married nine months later. So the whole thing was like 15 months from beginning to end. And the whole time we never lived in the same town at all. So, um, I only saw her, I was in grad school. I would drive up and I'd see her Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, go back to school. So one of the biggest questions in my mind after we got married is what does this woman look like on a Monday? Cause I had never seen her on a Monday <laughs> or a Tuesday was, uh, it worked out, but it's because God takes care of some of us who are a little. We have, so we you must have help. a really great wife if after a week you were like, she's the one. She's the one, yeah. <laughs> so, but but that gets to the point that you're making, and that goes to the point of infatuation, which is part of Eros love, this infatuation, this idea that you take my breath away, and I just, you know, when I look at you, my heart skips a beat. I'm just so infatuated with you, which is a really powerful attractant early. But the research is that the infatuation thing only lasts about six or nine months, okay? And then the other loves, the sacrificial love and the love of friendship need to show up. So you, you don't want to get engaged after a week, as I did and my wife did. Um, and so you want to be patient. And um, there's, I, I do a lot of work uh, with couples and kind of taking them through. And one of the things I say is, you know, does this person actually know how to love you? And there's four different kinds of love. And we got to score out all four of those, right? And so... Um, you want to you, you want to enjoy the infatuation. Realize that's not the glue that's going to keep you together. That's the other loves that need to, and uh, take your time to explore those other loves. We will explore all of those as we go forward in this show, young Thomas. So stay tuned. I will. I will. Good hey, man. Thanks. All right, let's go back to the phones. We've got Mary in Ontario, Canada. <laughs> Hello, Canada. Hello, Mary. Hi. Thank you so much for taking my call. My pleasure. I'm calling because I feel like God put it on my heart. I'm going to cry. That's okay. That's fine. I love, let me say, let me tell you this. I love two things I love in this work I do, tears and anger, because both of them tell me what you care about. And you don't cry or get angry about things you don't care about. So you feel free to cry all you want to. Okay. Thank you. I'm, I've been married for 31 years. Mm-hmm. I have six children. Nice. Uh, our marriage has been very happy most of the time. And my oldest daughter, I homeschooled, and we tried to live a, like a really Christ-centered life. Yeah. My oldest daughter has been a dream and um, a high achiever. She's a doctor and really hardworking. She's a musician. Like, like she's, she's enough, you know? Anyway, she seems to pick up with losers. Mm. And um, it's breaking my heart because I I'm go I feel like I'm going to lose her because yeah. I feel like just saying you know what are you doing yeah. and I can't I just she just texted on our our group chat like I want to bring Johnny home you know next weekend mm-hmm. and I just thought I'm not reading that because then she can tell I've seen it and. I don't want Johnny to come home. Johnny's a bad example, and I don't want him around her siblings. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
Yeah, this is really tough uh, when your children make choices that you don't agree with, especially when it comes to the area of a, of a, of a, of a spouse, right? And I think um, that what happens is especially difficult, I think, sometimes for women is you, they, they kind of get this savior mindset that I can marry the bad boy and my love will save him. My love will fix him. My love will will turn him around and turn him into a great guy because women have such this beautiful ability to see the good even in the bad. And so they can sometimes get attracted to bad boys uh, or guys who just aren't good marriage material because they see the good, which of course everybody has, and they think they can love them into a better place. And so women tend to make that mistake with some with some regularity, at least in the work that I do. Um, and I think, you know, the, you know, the, the tough thing about parenting is if you push her, she will push back, right? If there's too much okay. conflict, she will withdraw. You don't want to do that. So I, I think the way the conversation goes is you start off with the phrase, I feel. And you say, listen, I feel worried. I feel frightened um, that you're falling in love with this guy. And, and I've I'm worried that he may not be good marriage material, not just for you, but for any young woman, because I think marriage needs, you know, and then the following attributes that you feel are important and the ones that this young man doesn't have. And say, listen, I, I you know, to, to marry a young man who is, let's just say he's selfish, right, or egotistical, um, that makes for a very difficult life because he's focused on his needs and his happiness, not on yours. And you need a husband who can focus more clearly on uh, on what you need. Um, does that help at all? Yeah, that helps. It's it, it helps. And my um, her siblings know. Like I'm, I tend to be very clear. My husband's a lot more. He's gentler, and he mm. they yeah. they kind of because we've been through this before, yeah. and. Oh no. Yeah. 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 And what, how can I, like, it's, I realized it's her. Like, it's not him. It's her. Like, she's the one making the mistakes because she's hanging around with people that aren't good for her. Yeah. Why? Why why did did I do wrong? Well, but she's a doctor, right? I mean, her life is to help people, to save them, to fix them, to heal them, right? And so she, that kind of, you know, you got people who they're, they're always picking up the stray dogs, you know, and bringing them home because their heart is so good and so pure. But when it comes to marriage, you, you, you don't want to marry someone who's going to be a project, you know. Yeah. You don't want to marry somebody who you're going to have to work to, to save. That Because marriage, you need to be evenly yoked, right? You need to pull together in this thing, and you need to both be able to support and encourage and lift up the other one. And if it's just one-sided— you're not evenly yoked. You just you're going around in circles, and it's just a recipe for uh, for a really difficult life. You know that's the that's the thing. So, Mary, I will uh, I will pray for you and your daughter. Um, you know, have a have a gentle conversation with her about what your concerns are, and 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 that you love her, and um, uh, and pray for her, and ask Our Lady, uh, undoer of knots, to to help and intervene in this case. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right, I'm taking your calls at 888-914-9149, or you can email me at uh, Doug at uh, marriageunhindered.com. Mary, a lot of of people suffer 
from what Mary's going through, and a lot of you can can relate to that. And and um, uh, and it's difficult. And I just had a great thought I was going to share, and now I've lost it. So, young Thomas, you gotta. <laughs> I need I need more caffeine. Uh, I think that, that but, uh, you know I'll run out and grab that right now. Thank uh, you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. All right, yeah. I know. Don't leave me. Ah, if left to my own devices, this thing is going to go downhill very fast. So here we go. Um, listen, I think uh, just a couple of thoughts, and we'll take another call here. But, um, you know, happiness in life comes from conforming ourselves to God's plan, right? And we need to know what God's God's plan is uh, for marriage so we can conform ourselves to it. And, you know, and in 1981, Sister Lucia, one of the three seers of Fatima, wrote a letter to Father Carlo Caffera uh, Kaf- uh, in, in the Vatican, where she said, you know, a time will come when the decisive battle between the kingdom of Christ and Satan will be over marriage and the family. I think we're there. I think looking at what's going on in society, the divorce rate, the, the redefinition of what marriage is all about, uh, all of this chaos, uh, obviously. Uh, young people just aren't getting married anymore. And I came across a statistic not too long ago. In um, 1960, so just a little over 60 years ago, there were 400,000 Catholic weddings in the United States, 400,000, 60 years ago. Um, and in 2020, there were 100,000. So only 25% as many couples are getting married in the church now. It's got married just 60 years ago. This isn't a centuries-old tradition. This is just 60 years. And, I mean, you even think about how many of those weddings in 2020 were people who are practicing Catholics or they just did it because their grandma or their yeah. mom wanted them to get married in the yeah. Catholic church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right. wow, that number's staggering. It's scary, That's, isn't it? It's really scary. And, you know, marriage is a sacrament, right? It's 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 this thing that God created. And if we're not going into it with the right idea, boy, we, we can make some real mistakes and make some bad, bad decisions. I mean, marriage is a spiritual reality, not just a legal arrangement. And I we got to appreciate the fact that Satan hates marriage, which means he hates those of us who are married and he wants to destroy it. His primary weapon, I I believe, I haven't seen any research on this, but based on, on the work I do, my experience, the, his primary weapon is to get us to focus on our spouse's defects. If he can get us to focus on whatever, you know, uh, that person does, you know, our, triggers our pet peeves, we focus more and more and more on that. We, we stop seeing the virtues, and um, man, then things can go downhill kind of fast. So we need to work really hard to know that, yeah, the person we married has defects, but, boy, they have an awful lot of virtues too, and the more time we can spend looking at those virtues and celebrating and acknowledging and affirming those good qualities in our spouse, the, the, the better we can do. All right, let's go down to Houston, Texas, to Ann. Hello, Ann. Hi. Good morning. Good Thank morning. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling in. And what you just said sure hit home about focusing on our spouse's virtues yeah. and not the faults. Yeah. Um, my husband has recently retired. Mm. I retired a few years ago. So now we're home together <laughs> more than ever. Yeah. We've been married over 40 years. Nice. And I thought he would have a horrible time adjusting to retirement, but I'm having a horrible time adjusting to his retirement. <laughs> And that's, that's well it, said. It, well, and true, very true. Yeah, yeah. And 
I am just focusing on all the little things that drive me crazy. Yeah. yeah. And what you just said did hit home, but how can I go about focusing on the good? Yeah, 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 good. I, yeah. I feel like I'm doing, and he helps a lot around the house. Uh, yeah. I can't complain, but it's just more laundry, more dishes, more <laughs> meals, more. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, we're yeah. just, we, he and I are at a standstill, sort of. We're tiptoeing around each other. We sure. are not communicating very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, you know, a, a few thoughts It's a pretty normal thing when couples are tired. I mean, one of the things that we learned during COVID is that even the best marriage is going to struggle if you're together 24 seven. And, right. you know, a lot of couples discover that now in their twenties, thirties, forties, and fifties, that, that couples in their sixties and seventies discovered when they retired is that, man, it's hard to be around each other. I, you know, a couple thoughts on a practical level. A is you need to get some interests uh, apart from each other and outside the home. So you've got a place to go during the day, a few times, you know, join a bowling league, you know, whatever, volunteer at church, do some things that are meaningful and uplifting for you that you can do on your own. It doesn't mean you don't love your husband or he doesn't love you, but develop a few activities that you can do um, separately, number one. Number two um, is um, to be able to have uh, uh, um, uh, gentle conversations about what it is that you need from your spouse or or, uh, or or that they're doing that's kind of getting on your nerves, right? And I think, it's again, that starts off with the phrase, I feel, right? So, so I feel, you know, um, irritated when I come into the kitchen at 10 o'clock in the morning and the breakfast dishes are just sitting there, you know, in the sink and you haven't put them in the dishwasher or whatever. And, and I'd like to ask you if you couldn't please just kind of tidy up the kitchen when you're done, right? So um, focus on, on just having a gentle conversation about what you would like him to do differently that could make your life a little bit easier. And then third, this is really important. I encourage couples to make a 1% daily investment in their marriage. Now, what is 1% of 24 hours? It's about 15 minutes. And so marriage is kind of like a garden, right? You can plant your tomatoes in the spring, come back in the fall and pick some tomatoes. Or you can go out every day and pull a few weeds, put down a little fertilizer, water a little bit, and in the fall have a really nice crop of tomatoes, right? So if you can make a 10 to a 15 minute investment in the marriage every day, that really helps you focus on the positives. And that's what you do in that 10 minutes each day. You sit and you say, this is what I've noticed about you that I appreciate. That's your opportunity to affirm, to praise, to compliment, okay? And make a list. Yeah. And then, and he does the same. He says, you know what? I noticed you did this. You know, I, you were on the on the phone with our daughter this morning and you seemed so kind and gentle with her. And I just want you to know that I noticed that. And I really think you're a wonderful mother, even though our kids are out of the house and they're adults now. Whatever it is, but you make your list of what you appreciate. And the idea is you crowd out the negative by bringing in an abundance of the positives. Okay? So there you go. That's your recipe, Ann. Oh, thank you. That's very helpful. Good luck. All right, good luck. We're going to take a break again. When we come back, please call 888-914-9149. We've got a few more callers on the line. And we will get to you when we come back.
Here we go. Dancing with you in my arms. I um, I don't know if I should reveal this uh, on national radio or not, but uh, for Christmas I bought my wife uh, some dance lessons so we can learn, so she can learn how to dance. And um, you already know how to dance? No. Okay. And um, and I just thought she'd find her own partner, but no, she wants me to go with her so I can learn how to dance with her. So oh, we're no way. so yeah. Last Wednesday we had our first uh, ballroom dance lesson, and uh, neither of us ended up in the emergency room. That's good. I only stepped on her toes a few times, which was uh, pretty good. So hey, dancing in the dark, great. which you know, which brings up a really important thing, right? Um, it's okay to dance in the kitchen with your spouse. It's okay to just. Gentlemen, grab your wife and twirl around a little bit while while you're making dinner, right? And uh, an important part of what Eros love is all about is physical touch, right? Which is hugging and dancing and twirling around. And and if you've got young children, dance with your wife often because those kids will come running from every room in the house to want to join in in the love and the affection that uh, that you're showing your wife. Uh, I made a reference to a couple things here in the last two callers about having a gentle conversation. And there's a Real specific formula that I uh, teach my couples that I encourage them to follow. And yeah, it feels stiff. It feels a little formulaic, but it works really, really well. It's a three-step process to have a gentle conversation when your spouse has done something to kind of irritate you or annoys you or has gotten on your nerves. And the first step, the first sentence starts with the words, I feel. And then you label your emotion. I feel worried. I feel anxious. I feel frightened. I, I feel unloved. I feel. Second line, when you, and then you talk about what it is your spouse did. Uh, and the example I use a lot of times is, you know, I feel worried when you come home late and don't call and tell me you're going to be late. Okay, so I feel dot, 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 when you dot, dot, dot. Third sentence, and I'd like to ask you to please, and then tell your spouse what you'd like them to do different next time. So I feel anxious and worried when you come home late and don't call. And I'd like to ask you to please call if you're going to be more than 15 minutes late. Oh, okay, I can do that. But you've got to do it in that order. If you start off with the second second line, when you, starts feeling like criticism or contempt, and then your spouse is going to get defensive or just shut down, right? So you've got to start with the words, I feel. The idea behind that is, listen, I love you, and I don't want to harm you. I don't want to hurt you. And if I'm doing something to hurt you, I'd like to know about it so I can stop doing it, so I can be the perfect husband and if you can tell me that in a gentle way that treats me with respect and doesn't make me feel like a failure, I'll listen to that. And the way you do that is, I feel when you, and I'd like to ask you to please, I encourage my couples to put that on the refrigerator and use it all the time, daily, right? So to have these gentle conversations. All right, let's go to, uh, let's go out to Cascade, Iowa, to Marcy. Hello, Marcy. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for calling um, in. Well, first, let me say that uh, I listened to what you said about asking your husband to do the, or your spouse to do the dishes. Yeah. There is no way, no kind way, no unkind. There is absolutely no way that that would fly. But that's not why I called. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, uh, what I called. What I called for. Um, well, I guess in my my thought about that is, you know, sometimes in a marriage, there's this things you got to suck it up and do. That's true. And if it's and if it's the dishes and that's what keeps the peace, that might be an okay thing. Yes, As my mama used to say, offer it up. Yeah. yeah but yeah. Um, 
so, but what I called about was in listening to your show, I'm glad you're doing this. Thank you. I think everybody can learn things from, from this topic for sure. And um, one thing that, that I think you could talk about or maybe have a program around is uh, people that put their marriages back together. Mm. My husband and I were married, I think maybe like 10 years. Okay. Um, and I had a career and he was actually a stay at home dad at the time yeah. and he got kind of lost and he had an affair. Mm-hmm. And so we actually were separated and the affair went on long enough that I had, I had to file for divorce. Okay. Um, I always felt like I was still married to him in God's eyes, but I couldn't let him run wild with our finances mm-hmm. given what he was doing. So, um, so we did, we were separated for about a year and then, uh, he came back and said he thought he'd you know, made a mistake. And that was, you know, one night when we was, he was bringing the kids back mm. from the weekend that he had them. Mm. And that was something we could agree on. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> he'd made a mistake. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so we put it, we put it back together. It wasn't like Beautiful. overnight. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, it took yeah. some time, yeah. but the, you know, there were a lot of days where I got up in the morning and I believe forgiveness is a decision. Yes. And sometimes it's a decision you have to make every day. That's right. And for there, there was a considerable amount of time that that was the case. And, you know, you have to like put yourself out there and just uh, trust again. And that can be really really a hard and vulnerable thing to yeah, do yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, when there's a history, but you know, you have to like decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to trust that he's being faithful. Yeah. I am not going to look at the phone bills and see if he good. made any phone calls. Yeah, good. You know, good, there's good. some things like that, that you have to, you have to put your trust in the Lord Yes. and then trust that. I love it that he's doing that. So I love it. I, I just think there's probably a lot of people out there that, you know, often we talk about divorce and that's the end. Um, yeah. But one thing, uh, I'll yeah. just tell you this one more thing. And okay. uh, so I was working the night shift for a while, which was pretty complicated being a single mom temporarily yeah. at least. Yeah, yeah. And one night I went in the break room and there was a newspaper on the counter and it had a, it had like, they, that was back when they used to print the, who's engaged and married and all that in the paper. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a paper, a uh, little announcement, and this little boy w- with his parents, and it said, and we'll just use Johnny, Johnny is excited to announce the remarriage of his parents. Yeah, beautiful. And, and uh, it was, it was beautiful. And I cut that thing out, and I stuck it in my uh, top drawer of my dresser, and it mm. stayed there for a long time <laughs> because it gave me hope. During God that bless year you. when I was really miserable. Yeah, Marcy, God bless you. And thank you for your testimony and, and for your witness. I Yes, marriages, the, the most devastating thing that can happen in a marriage, almost without exception, is an affair. But marriages can come back from affairs and they can heal and they can be stronger than they ever were. And thank you for that. And I, yes, I mean, a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, are in a similar position where they have a spouse who's had an affair. One of the great joys that I get out of the work that I do is when I'm able to help a couple coming out of an affair rebuild their marriage. And it's a beautiful thing. And thank you for your testimony. I'd love to talk to you more, but I've got more callers I've got to get to. Thank you, Marcy. Let's go to Gail in Buffalo, New York. Hello. Hello, Gail. 
How are you? I am fine, thanks. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. Um, I was calling because when you were mentioning about spouses that are projects. Yeah. Um, <laughs> both my husband and I are nurses. Okay. So I guess I have a little bit of a savior complex. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's he's been a project. Okay. Um, but I always saw, uh, like you said, women tend to see the, the best in people. Yeah. Um, I always saw this heart of gold in him. Mm. And we've been married 37 years. Ah, bless you. Yeah. And I used to say we only had one fight, one continuous fight. <laughs> yeah, it lasted 37 years. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but he's. We've stayed together, and when our son broke his neck and became quadriplegic, mm, oh my, he stayed. Oh, God bless him. Yeah, and he supported him, and he went back and forth to Illinois to help him with college, and oh wow, to Syracuse when he was in law school, and wow, that's terrific. You know, and we moved to to support him afterwards. For he needed um, home health aid support and whatnot. So, so, and then I, in 2022, I lost my leg. Oh, my. my right leg. Goodness. And he stayed. Oh, wow. Well, you know what? What a great example of agape love, sacrificial love. And that's the the love you professed on your wedding day is to love in sickness and health and good times and bad. And what a wonderful testimony. Thank you, Gail, for sharing that story. It's a great inspiration. Let's go on to, let's go down to Atlanta, Georgia to Grace. Hello, Grace. Hi. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Um... So my husband and I are struggling right now. Um, we both love each other very much. I feel like we're in a unique situation because I moved to Atlanta after we got married and I come from a very, very large family up north mm-hmm. and um, things moved very quickly after we got married. I got a job right away. I got pregnant right away. We had moved into a new home together after getting mm-hmm. married. Sure. Um, so it was a lot for me to take in. And after having our first child, we have two now, um, I just had this really strong urge to move back up North closer to family. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't feel that that is an abnormal thought, especially for a woman, um, just to want to, you know, relieve some of that childcare, you know, Mm -hmm. like drop them off at the grandparents and let's go on date nights. And I've had a lot of struggle allowing other people um, outside of family to watch our children. Mm -hmm. So I'm just to the point now it's been, you know, fast forward five years and I still really want to move back up North and my husband doesn't see my struggle with that. And I'm pretty much like, I don't want to get divorced. Like I, that's not Good. in the cards for us. We both love each other. We don't <laughs> yeah. want to get divorced. But right. at the same time, like, I feel like telling him, listen, like, I want to take the kids and move back up north. And I pray that you're going to come with me. Mm. And mm. 
He's yeah. just sort of like, you can go, but I'm going to fight to keep the kids here. And that's what we're struggling yeah. with right now because sure. I want to be there. He wants to be here. And he's kind of just like, this is what you signed up for. You're not going anywhere. And legally, mm-hmm. I need to stay here too, yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I'm yeah. not happy. And it might, I'm just struggling. Like, how is he okay with allowing me to be like unhappy, not yeah. kind of seeing what my needs are. Is he, um, how, how difficult would it be for, uh, him to get a job up here in the Chicago area? It would not be difficult for him to get a job anywhere. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and I understand we've had, we've been to therapy. I've had this conversation with him. You know, Mm -hmm. I understand if that's a fear of yours and I will support you. I'm a teacher. I'm confident that I can get a teaching position anywhere. Yeah. Um, I understand that, especially for a man, you know, you want to provide for your family. And I've expressed that if that's a fear, I understand that. And we can work through that together. This is a life change that we can make together. We can shake up our marriage. And, is he, has, has, and, and what's his reluctance to move back? Why does he not want to? He just, it, it, he's just, I'm putting my foot down. Like, this is what you agreed to. You agreed to living in Georgia and this is where we're going to be. And (laughs) I can't, I think for five years of hearing that with no real justification where, you know, my, my children have cousins. And like I said, I have a really large family up North. They have a great grandmother. And the more we disconnect, the more I'm begging him to listen. Like if I could just be comfortable leaving the kids with people that I trust and we can get away together and we can reconnect and, yeah, well, yeah, that, that's 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 important, and I, we're almost out of time, Grace. Uh, your call is a difficult one, and maybe we'll pick it back up next week. Um, and I think, but the idea is to be able to articulate why it's important to you to move back, wh- why that's a good thing. And it's not that you're trying to undermine his authority or your marriage, but this is the good that you see that would come out of raising your children close to their family and, and aunts, uncles and cousins and things. So, so talk about, right. talk about the, the, the good that will accrue to the family. This isn't about a power play between you and him, but this is because of the children and right. what you want to accomplish with them and what kind of life you want them. So paint the picture of what you would like family life to be like and how it would be so much richer and fuller in Chicago. I'd love to spend more right. time talking to you about that, Grace, but I've got to go. I've got to wrap up. This hour went by way, way too fast. I, I and I want to. I don't want to end without a couple of thank yous. And I, I want to thank first, uh, Young Thomas and Middle Mike for keeping me on track here. Thank you so much, gentlemen. Uh, unbelievable. I, I, I can't end without a personal, heartfelt shout out to my wife from this time I started this journey 15 years ago, and she has been there, supported me every step it away. I couldn't be here. I couldn't be doing this without her. Shirley Darlin, I love you. Thank you. Uh, And I want to thank every couple I've worked with in the past seven and a half years. I've learned so much from you. uh, And I will share that with the folks on the radio. And lastly, I just want to thank God, who is a good God. And I'm just a paintbrush. He's the artist. And all the glory goes to him.